This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to Tell Me About Your Mother. I'm Amy Westerbell. On the last episode, we talked about maternal estrangement, so I figured it might make sense to do one focused on reconciliation this time around. I'm super excited about today's episode for a few reasons. So first, when I started this podcast, I always intended to interview a mix of both sort of well-known people, folks who had probably been interviewed before, and people who hadn't, people whose stories were mostly their own maybe known by a small circle of friends or family, but not much beyond that. I also hoped that at some point, listeners might volunteer themselves or their friends for interviews. Today's guest, Renita Parker Mobley, is all that and more. Renita emailed me shortly after our first episode dropped, and actually, I'm just going to read her email because it's really cute. So she wrote, Hi, Amy. I'm not famous or anything, but would love to share some thoughts about my mother. Ironically, since listening to Sashir Sameda's segment on last year's This American Life episode, I wrote a letter, a real-life postal letter, to my mom expressing the desire to get to know her as a woman. We try and talk about this once a week via phone, and I've taken notes but not recorded anything. If you're in need of a regular schmoes view to talk about her mom, I'd love to. Who could say no to that? If you didn't catch the episode of This American Life that Renita mentioned, it is really great and you should listen to it. I'll drop a link in the show notes. In the segment that grabbed Renita's attention, comedian and former SNL star Sashir Sameda talks to her mother about race. She asks her what it was like to be one of the first black students to attend a recently desegregated school and why she never really talked to Sashir about race. But the conversation quickly delves into familial relationships between Sashir and her mom and between her mom and her grandma. Here's a clip. What was your relationship with your mom like? She had lots of kids. She had seven kids. She always made me feel like I was the runt of the litter. I was dark. I had really tight, kinky hair. I wasn't high yellow like a couple of my sisters. I did not have long hair like a couple of my sisters. So I was black. I was chunky, dunky, dusty. She favored like the lighter kids or like wanted you guys to have... She treated them differently. What her mother was teaching her was the same thing her country was teaching her. 
that her blackness was less valuable. If she's buying cute little dresses for all of her daughters, I shouldn't be the one that didn't get the dress and have to wait till my fat sister outgrew it and then I get it. I shouldn't be the one that, when it's time to comb hair, make their hair look cute. And then when she gets to me and she's tired, she just throws a few plaits on my head and they're going every which way. I started combing my own hair when I was like sixth grade because I knew she was not going to put herself out to make me look good. So I had to figure it out myself. Of all the stuff we talked about, this is the part that made me the most sad. She feels the way she does about white people because white people were so terrible to her. And I get that. But there's something else going on. She's mad at her mom for putting her in that situation. Forcing her to go to a place where white people could treat her that way. Swear I didn't listen to this episode before starting Tell Me About Your Mother, although now I really want to get Sashir on here too. At any rate, I wanted to know more about Renita's story. So I went to visit her in DC, we had some wine, and she told me her story. So I was born, uh, my mom was 17, dad 23, which is really super shady. (laughs) That would never happen today. Um, But everybody was cool with that back then, apparently. Nobody thought anything of it. You know, she got pregnant. Um, They got married in February of 73. And I came along in March. And that was that. And then I have a a younger sister, five years younger. So she was born in like 78. Um, And it's just a really small town. My mom's like one of 11. My dad's like one of... I would say like one of 10, my grandmother and grandfather on on my dad's side had lots of um, foster children and adopted children. So to me, they're just, they've always just like been my aunts and uncles. So, um, and I would say it was probably maybe along with my dad's biological five or six siblings, he had probably another six that my grandmother fostered. Yeah. So. And are your parents both still around? My my. Parents are both still around. My dad still lives in, in Calvert County, and pretty much all my family still lives in Calvert County, um, except for my mom. <laughs> um, so she lives in Minnesota by way of Albuquerque, by way of Toronto, by way of Chatham, Ontario, Canada, by way of back to Minneapolis. So, <laughs> Wow. Okay, so what happened there? What happened with mom? What happened there with mom? So, okay, so my parents divorced when I was like, it was just a lovely time um, to have your parents divorce, like right there at seventh, eighth grade. (laughs) Yeah. So they divorced right seventh, eighth grade. Um, My mom, like, took up with this guy. For, I mean, they got they built a brand new house. They, she divorced my dad. They built a brand new home house together. Um, my dad got custody of us. Um, it was it was a whole big scandalous deal. Because um, people just don't do that in the country. You just stay. And I'm surprised that your um, <laughs> that your dad got custody too. That yes. seems unusual now. It was very unusual, and this was like. I'm 86, mid, mid 80s. And they had, I mean, they, they were ridiculous. They, 
I mean, I make light of it and, and just laugh about it now. But it was a whole after school special, really. Like they fought over us for a good while. And then finally, um, my mom was like, just took the higher road and was like, I was like 13, 14 at the time. And I had the ability to say where I wanted to stay. So she asked me and I was like, I want to stay with my dad. And, you know, they built, her and Rick had built this home with us in mind to live there. And I was like, no, I'm st- I want to stay with my dad. And, of course, my sister was going to stay with me. So they agreed um, for that. And uh, they fought over the house. And then maturity prevailed again. And they decided to not, to not do the child support house, throwing us out of the house deal. And so I think she did actually pay some child support, but we kept the house. That was that was about to be like stripped from us, which was horrible, horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did that cause problems with you and your mom that you oh. decided to stay with your dad? Um, I think she was fine with it. I mean, we still like spent time with her and um, stayed with her, and she came and t- took us to different activities and still took care of like a lot of the school stuff and a lot of our outside activities. But um, and I don't think she had a problem with it. it. Was it was me? I had a problem with it. How it all went down. Yeah, I had a big issue with how it all went down. Um, just the cheating. Um, um, the presumption that we would just go and live with her, and you would build a house thinking that it was gonna go down like that. Like. With the guy that she cheated on your dad yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think she saw it as cheating. I think she saw it as this marriage isn't working, and I'm, you know, I got, I'm like, but you know, that's that you didn't do it the right way. You just, you know, you can't just like hook up with somebody in your aerobics class and then start dating them and then tell your husband, I'm leaving you and then leave like a thief in the night. (laughs) It was, it was a mess. Especially when you're kind of old enough to know what's going on and you know, Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny that when I started hearing your, your podcast, I was like, I think I when I reached out to you, I was, um, I'd heard, uh, I can't, what's her name from Saturday Night Live? Yes. Uh, Sahara Zameda yeah. did this, um, did this uh, segment on This American Life with her mom. And you could, you could see her in the podcast having this like light bulb moment that dude, my mom's a person. Like, you not, like you never told me that. And then her mom was basically like, you never asked me that. Or why would I just, like, say it? Like, I wouldn't just say it. Tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my word. Oh, mother. about me asking you these questions i'm glad you're open to it because i didn't get this with my mother and i'm glad you're curious about me but my mother wouldn't let me be curious about her my mom and i have never had the closest relationship she and my dad split up when i was nine and at some point i started to focus a lot of my anger over the divorce onto her she was always very strict with me so we fought a lot 
Eventually, I went away to college, and the tension eased up a bit. But that's mostly because we talked less. Now that I've gotten older and sat through my fair share of therapy, I'm trying to let some of that resentment go, and I'm trying to think of my mother more as a whole person. <laughs> I am a person. <laughs> I know, but for a long time, I didn't think so. <laughs> oh. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Renita had that segment in her mind for a long time and eventually decided maybe it was time to get to know her mom as a person, too. Um, short, like right after Niles was born, my, well, she was here like when he was born with me for a couple weeks. And then the day that she left, I wanted to tell her all this stuff. And the day that she left, I was a, obviously a hormonal hot mess. And the day that she left, I just cried and cried and I walked her down and I was like... She called me from the cab. I'm getting all kind of choked up here. Literally, every person I've interviewed has cried, so oh. it would be unusual for you not oh. to. It's a, like a it's like a really uh, emotional topic, it and is. we almost never talk about it. So yeah, it's tough. And I heard her and her mom talk, and I was like, I re- and I remembered back to that moment when I was she was here, and I'm a new mom, and she came with me, and I felt like I had to say this stuff to her but I just the time never seemed right and I let her get in the cab and I didn't say anything and she called me from the cab like are you okay because I'm like sobbing as she's like going off and I'm like you guys left me here with a baby and I was like mom I was I was like I was such a bitch to you for so many years and I'm so sorry and I was just hard on her just really hard on her and when I heard the um the interview with uh, Sahara and her mom, I was like, Rashad, my husband, I said, Rashad, I heard this interview and I was like, I want to, I want to talk to my mom about like her, like herself, like not her parenting me or, you know, hurt the mom side of her, but like her. And I want to like apologize for just being shitty and not being forgiving or understanding and like resentful and bitter I didn't want I don't want to be that person mm-hmm. so I like I'm like working out at work at lunch one day and I'm like okay so what am I gonna say I'm gonna write her a letter and ask her if we can like have this conversation so I wrote her the letter and explained pretty much what I just told you mm-hmm. and called her up and she was like oh this was so lovely and oh absolutely you know I'll talk to you and what do you want to know and so we just started having like weekly conversations like we have a standing Tuesday night conversation anywhere from 20 minutes to 40 minutes depending on you know what what area of her life we were at because we I I started from like the beginning like what are some of the things that you've learned about her that um I don't know have made you maybe think differently about her or um Um, yeah that were surprising so early on in their marriage she was going to nursing school like after I started school my sister started school she was in school nursing school and had tried you know was going back to work and I think that that caused a lot of tension in the marriage. And I didn't really know that that was why. I didn't know that that was even a thing. But apparently. But now that you're like a working mom, you're like, oh, yeah, this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And not even that, that I would have a man that really didn't want me to do that for whatever reason, you know? Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, your, yeah, your, da- your dad was, like, not into it, huh? No. Nah. I guess he'd gotten used to, and that was just the way people did things. You stayed at home and took care of kids. I'll, I'll work. Or, like, why would you want to do this? But my mom is really, really smart. Um, even at, you know, pregnant and... Uh, right in her senior year of high school she graduated like top of her class and still graduated she said I guess I was born in March still graduated that May or June or whatever that's awesome like yeah the family was not having it and she wasn't like not having it like I'm gonna graduate but um yeah so that was that was kind of shocking like why would that be that way but I always like because of the way things turned out in the divorce I always kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt or kinda, not even kinda, held him a on a pedestal bit. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the person that's been cheated on is, you yeah. know, you're always mm-hmm. like, oh, well, poor guy. Yeah. But yeah, not that he deserved no, anything to happen, but no. I don't know. I feel like the older you get too, and you have relationships, you mm-hmm. realize that like they're complicated and oh, hard and, and yeah. you try having, I mean, I think of myself at either of those age, 17 or 23, I was a fucking idiot. Like, I couldn't have been a parent or, or um, I couldn't have been a mom or a wife. Like, I, I just, I mean. I could barely be a barista. <laughs> I could barely do my, like, little work study job. Like, I was getting, like hounded to come to work my eight hours a week but um so but you don't think of that when you're in your 16 to 17 18 whatever year old mind you just the the level of um expectations that I had for my mom as just it's it was it was ridiculous like but you, you know, you think of your mom as your mom and not your, not a human until whatever age, yeah. if ever, you figure it out. Because there are some people who just, mom is mom. But, you know, people are human first. So how long has it been since you and your mom started having these weekly phone calls? Um, so that happened, like, last April, I want to say. That's cool. Um, so over a year, we haven't had one in quite a few months I have to be honest because things have just been kind of crazy um over the summer we spoke yesterday was actually her birthday so we spoke but we didn't go we we haven't done a a deep dive because I think we're at the point now where she got married and left Canada and came back to Minnesota where she's been since her and her second husband um Got married. Not Rick. Not Rick. No, Rick and my mom were together for a good while, though. I would say almost 10 years, but not quite. Um, you know, I didn't, what the, I asked her. We, we, we did Rick as a part of the, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. It's, it's got <laughs> it's to be a better way to say that. Um, we covered Rick uh-huh. in our discussions. And they had a relationship, not a, uh, they still had a speaking relationship and kept up with each other for years, but I, I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't do that anymore. Um, he's remarried and, 
I think he ended up not being um, as free spirited as she is. That's the move to Albuquerque to. Do you think that's part of why your mom, I don't know, like um, wanted to leave too? Like she got pregnant at 17 and married and then she stayed in the same town she was from. But she wanted to like travel and do something like like grown up and for herself and not what everybody in this small town does, which is nobody leaves. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's for you. But that's just not that's not my mom. I'm my mom's child that way. Like, I'm, I'll go anywhere. Yeah, I'll live anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, though, that, you know, you kind of got that from your mom. Yeah, even though maybe you didn't I appreciate did. it at the I time. appreciate her leaving. <laughs> it was my sister more so than me, because she left to go to Albuquerque, like, months before my sister graduated high school. I was already gone off to college when this big move occurred. But my sister was like, that was some bullshit. She like, (laughs) I mean, she obviously came back for her graduation or whatever. But she was like, yeah, now that was some bullshit. I was like, but you were all down for the divorce. But the move to Albuquerque did it to you too. Renita's mom had been in Albuquerque on her own for about a year when she met her current husband, Aubrey, at an Ekankar gathering. If you've never heard of Ekankar, it's sort of like Buddhism, Hinduism, and Christianity had a baby. There's karma, there's chanting and meditation, there's the Holy Spirit, and bonus, they believe that things like sex, abortion, marriage, and divorce are individual choices for people to make. So anyway, Renita's mom meets Aubrey and they hang out in Albuquerque for a while, but at a certain point he has to go back to Canada. And Renita's mom eventually moves up there too for a bit. Then later they get married back in Maryland and they wind up living in Minneapolis, which is, surprise, surprise, where the Ekengar headquarters is. Renita describes Aubrey as... Uh, Jamaican-born Canadian. (laughs) And Rick, on the other hand... Uh, The whitest white guy ever, like Pennsylvania Dutch, like Penn State... (laughs) Like, just, and his his parents were like super white. On obviously, from, I can't remember what part of of Pennsylvania they were from, but like super like Pennsylvania Dutch. Like yeah. his parents spoke German, oh, and wow. he's an engineer, white engineer from Penn. Like it was just like that kind of. That's shit. interesting that too. So in Calvert County. Yeah. yeah, was that a big? Was that like um, I don't know? Like did that complicate things mm-hmm. too? At the, oh yeah, yeah. That's why I said we'll we'll get back to Rick. Yeah. Like, so not only do you, like, leave your husband, you leave him for a younger white guy. Like, yeah. that's got to be, like, crushing to a man's, like, self-esteem. And I just felt like, even at, what, when that all went down, 13, 14, I just had this nurturing inside of me. Like, I can't leave my dad alone. Like, who's going to take care of him? Yes, it's starting to snow. I've lost my direction, and I wish I was home. When I was younger, you lived eternally. For a long time, it was Renita who took care of her dad. 
They made a pact not to get married, and it was Renita and her dad against the world for about 10 years. She still spent parts of the week with her mom as a kid, though, and saw up close what it was like to juggle a demanding job and kids. So after she completed nursing school and began um, nursing, and I got to see her job and what she did and the hours she worked, and she's still like, if there were dentists and doctor's appointments, and she had to get to schedule all that in there. But she never made it seem like it was a big deal. But to me, having experienced it just these past couple years, yeah. I'm like, how did she do that? Like, she didn't, like, make a huge deal of it. And she worked, like, what those nursing hours are like, what, sometimes 12-hour shifts? Yeah. And she would come home. She she used to work mainly the three to eleven shift. She would come home, and if I were, if, depending on what age I was back then, like I could stay up late, or I would have to like leave my homework out. And if it wasn't right, <laughs> she pulled me out of bed even after working that long to be like, not right, or what is this mess that you left for me? I mean, I just, yeah, wow. yeah, wow, yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, when you first had your son, that kind of made you start thinking about mm-hmm. getting closer to your mom. Mm-hmm. But is there any other way that um, that you feel like having a kid has impacted um, just, I don't know, how you think about her or your relationship? I do. I, and I, we covered that in the discussion before of, of a 17-year-old having a baby. Mm-hmm. That was something else surprising that I found out, like, she had a whole lot more help than we have. Like, so I always think about that. Like, it's just me and my husband, like, in this city. And we have, like, you know, obviously school friends. And I have a couple friend. I have a, at least one friend without a kid that could do something. And I have family nearby. But, like, she could just leave us anywhere or people would help out and pitch in. She never had to worry about aftercare or babysitters because that's we had so much family around she didn't have to you know worry about that sort of thing and she even remarked one time about you know we could be at a function and I would never even see you as a as an infant or a young child people would just pass you around Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we would just be having a good old time and I'm like we just like every aspect of our life is centered around that kid (laughs) And it doesn't make me angry or resentful. It makes me kind of like, God, you guys had it good. Like, you guys, you know, we're still young lovers. Y'all could still, like, go out and do stuff. Like, we have to, like, plan so crazily. And it's expensive. I know. I know. Uh, Yeah. Like, so often my husband and I are just like, forget it. Because it, especially with two now, it's like... It's like it adds another sixty to eighty dollars mm-hmm. onto Everything. a night, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. So I, I'm like, she never had it so good because we have to plan far out, and we may. And sometimes it's not even just the money because we can find someone who, like my sister will take. She's gonna take him actually next weekend, so we can have like a date weekend. Oh, that's nice. And my dad takes him. Um, sometimes too for like a weekend just so we can like just have a moment but they never had to do that I remember like spending a weekend at my grandma's house and they I didn't know where they were and it didn't I didn't care because I had like a zillion cousins yeah no, and like yeah. I didn't even think about it until mm-hmm. I had kids and, and now like oh and, and so it's had it good yeah they had it really good
really cool that your mom like stuck with it, finished high school, went back to college, and like you know built this life for herself. I mean, she did made some uncool moves along yeah, the way. She, but... did. she <laughs> did. But we all do. Yeah. We all do. Some of them may not, you know, some of them don't impact children, but everybody yeah. has missteps along the way. Yeah. Um, it's hard as kids, I think, to not feel like it's something that they're doing to you, mm-hmm. you know, or like, I don't know, that like they should be considering you more mm-hmm. or I don't know. It's just it like, yeah. A total after school special. This isn't, you didn't do anything, little Johnny and Sally. This is all. <laughs> We both still love you. We both still love you. And I'm like, no, you don't, because you're messing up the Cosby show. You're messing up, like, the country Cosby show. Like, what are you doing here? But it's it's so hard to see. It's it's so hard to see your parents as as um, just human and people who are going to make mistakes. And now that I'm a parent, speaking of, like, um... He sees me, I can see him just see me as mommy. Like, he doesn't know, like, anything else. And my mom doesn't get to see him that often because she's yeah. so far away. So we're hoping to get out there at Christmas. Well, we're going to get out there for Christmas. Because before, before Niles came along, before I met my husband, me and my sister would always go out for at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, and those have been some doozies, too. Like, uh, again, like, expectations. I had, I mean, it's Minnesota at Christmas time and it's so pretty and there's always going to be snow. Yeah. But me and my mom, like button heads, like, it, I, I don't know what it is. It, it, it would be like just, what is she doing? Like, why is she doing this? And it was, it would be like me being like 12 or 13 all over again. And it would never be like this Norman Rockwell-esque Christmas that I'd be thinking there wouldn't like be super horrible and dramatic but there would be little pockets of like conflict Mm -hmm. in all of these trips but we would keep going back every year yeah yeah (laughs) but I mean one it's my mom and you know I love I I love Christmas I'm a Christmas person but my ideal of what it was going to be like never really came I mean came to be you know I um I had this like I had this um super random um, story assignment that I was working Mm -hmm. on about forgiveness therapy. And I ended up finding a guy at Stanford Mm -hmm. who um, teaches a college course Mm -hmm. on forgiveness. And he said this thing to me that it totally, I feel like actually doing that story Mm -hmm. kind of fixed my relationship with my mom Mm -hmm. without her even knowing it. It just shifted things in my head where I was like, oh, it's not about me. Her mm-hmm. shit's about her. Right. And unfortunately it's impacted me, but right. like, you can get she didn't mean for it right. to. Right. And like, you know, um, and I can understand yeah. why she is who she mm-hmm. is and like whatever. But he was like, you know, most of our disappointment in life comes from like expecting this mm-hmm. and getting this. Mm-hmm. And your happiness in life has to do with what you do with that gap. Mm-hmm. You can either just continue to be pissed off that yeah. people aren't getting your expectations. Yeah. Or you can just accept that, you know, they have mm-hmm. expectations that aren't being mm-hmm. met too. And that, you know, and not, he's like, I'm not saying lower your expectations so no That's one disappoints saying, you. Right. Just, you know, learn how to not be constantly focusing on the gap, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, 
Yeah. Because otherwise, because I was the same as like every time I would have any interaction with her, I was always disappointed that Mm -hmm. she wasn't the best friend mom of my dreams, you know? (laughs) My mom being who she is, which I I find myself being kind of similar. I don't know if she's being contrary to what she knows I expect for the fuck of it. Or if that's just who she is and what she thinks. And so you're not going to get what you're expecting because she's not about pleasing you. She's going to do her. Yeah. But I think in a manipulative kind of way, I want her to be the way I want her to be. And that's not fair. Like, I don't want someone putting that on me. Like, I can only be me. So why would I, why would I expect her to be like to do every little thing that I want how I want her to do it it's not gonna happen because she's not that kind of woman and I know that yeah. <laughs> mother tell your children not to walk my way tell your children not to hear my word such a good time talking with Renita. She was really sweet and so gracious to have me a total stranger in her home on a Saturday night, no less. Renita, I hope you're listening and I really appreciate you taking the time. That's also it for season one of Tell Me About Your Mother. I've already got about half of season two recorded, so it won't be long before the next season launches. Our season two premiere episode will feature Heather Armstrong, who's probably better known as her blogger name, Deuce. I met up with her in Salt Lake City, Utah, to talk about what it's like to be a famous mommy blogger and how she navigated leaving the Mormon church, but still staying close to her family. Tune in for that one in a month or so. In the meantime, if you've liked season one, I'd really appreciate it if you go into the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. It really helps other people find the podcast, which is increasingly difficult these days. If you have an idea for a show or you want to volunteer yourself for an interview like Renita, hit me up at amy at teammaimpod.com. That's A-M-Y at T-M-A-Y-M-P-O-D.com. Thanks. See you soon. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my Tell Me About Your Mother is produced by me, Amy Westervelt. Our original music is composed by B. Beeman, with original illustrations for each episode by James Guthman. You can find us online at tmaimpod.com. That's T-M-A-Y-M-P-O-D.com. Or follow us on Twitter at About Your Ma. If you've got an idea for an episode or feedback to share, shoot me a note at amy at tmaimpod.com. I can show you.